All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Delivered by DoorDash. Welcome to episode 58 of the DFO Rundown. This is uh, part two of our in-person series. Of course, uh, Frank, in town in Edmonton. We were in town for the uh, nation uh, third annual uh, golf tournament uh, last week. It was loads of fun. And of course, uh, we are in the woodjerseys.com temporary studio today woodjersey.com nhl certified product you can get it all the new teams are coming out they're going to have all 32 of the teams the new seattle one looks awesome so you can check it out woodjerseys.com to get your wood jersey it looks good in your fan cave in your office wherever you like it and uh, today in part two of our in-person series welcome welcome in a member of the uh, san jose sharks he was drafted in 2016. He's now played uh, the parts of the last two seasons with the Sharks after playing in uh, Moose Jaw, winning a Memorial Cup with the Prince Albert Raiders. I know him quite well, Noah Gregor. Oster, how you doing, man? I am doing great. Thank you for having me. Nice. Uh, good to see you. Frank, how are you? I'm good. Uh, Noah, you have the distinction of actually being my first in-person NHL player interview in like two years with the pandemic. Locker rooms being closed. Hopefully we're all getting back to somewhat sense of normalcy uh this season hopefully locker rooms can be open again masked and double vaxxed but uh yeah welcome to the show yeah thank you yeah i bet a little different for you guys all over zoom this year so it's it was great what was it like for you guys as players like you're you're used to media just coming in after the game or after practice and all of a sudden it you know probably a little more freedom on your end yeah it was not too bad actually we kind of would just get shooed into uh whatever room the local rink had set up for you just 
have uh, you and the camera kind of just like this and then uh, a laptop set up so you could see some of the media's faces if they had it on and then you just get the questions like that it's pretty easy did you like it better i don't know I, it's definitely a lot it sometimes it could be tough because there's connection issues or it's just hard to get a read on what the question could actually be if you're not in person it's a little different but i mean you just got to make it work it wasn't too bad so let's talk a little bit about you know your your career path obviously i've i've followed it pretty intently for those who don't know no is my nephew and um you know you are you were one of those guys who's a pretty good hockey player you played in beaumont a small community uh, all the time there was there was no necessarily triple a until you got to to bantam you how much of your time in the basement with your brother playing mini sticks and hockey sticks do you think attributed to your success I mean, probably a lot of it. Uh, definitely a lot of time spent in the basement and in the, on the streets with buddies. I know my mom, you know, painted the lines in, uh, in our basement, but before we got it finished, so we had the blue lines, the red lines, we set up nets. So uh, definitely a lot of time spent down there. Uh, and yeah, it definitely helped my career, I think. All on foot, or would you throw, throw the blades on down there? No, I was never a, a rollerblader, roller hockey guy through my whole life, never played. Huh. So just all, you know, shooting pucks, and then could you, like, when you were older, could you do, like, did you have enough room where it would be full shots? Or, like, I've seen some of these setups now, like, people throw a whole net down there and, you know, some protective stuff for your wall that you can really fire a puck. No, we didn't get, we, we ended up finishing the basement, so that, uh, <laughs> Gets in the that got, that got yeah. uh, ended pretty quick. We had to go to the garage. Well, you guys had the outdoor rink, though, pretty close, didn't you? About yeah, Bellevue, yeah, yeah. Bellevue? Yeah, we had Bellevue rink, so we could go out there and shoot pucks, and then in the winter, obviously, that was, that was unreal. And then we had, like, that little reservoir basketball court that me and uh my brother's buddies would go out there and play street hockey on all the time it was great and you weren't you know you're still young you're you're 22 well just turned 23 but you weren't one of those because nowadays some kids they have their from eight nine they're playing year-round hockey you never did any of that i think you played spring hockey was it once is that it yeah one year going into bantam i played how much do you think that helped you just hard, the yeah, hard to say. I all think the other stuff, like so many kids, are so wrapped up in, you know, I got to play hockey twelve months a year. I got to be on the ice four times a week. That they can't have a baseball cat. Like they physically can't do it. They can't throw a football. They can't do whatever. And it's amazing to see that, like, a highly tuned professional athlete can't do other things because they didn't have the experience. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say how much it would have helped me if I would have played spring hockey because I know there's lots of NHLers that did that, and that's all they did. But for me, I loved other sports. I always played basketball in school. I played baseball every summer. And I think that was probably a testament to my parents is, you know, trying to get up there, be athletic, do other things. You know, you don't have to just play hockey year round. So uh, I think it definitely helped me just being more of an athlete. And uh, that helped me in my hockey. After you, now you broke your elbow. Can you explain how you did that? Uh, my elbow was at the skate park on... Uh, my bike fell off my bike, went over the handlebars. Now, did you fall off your bike or were you trying to jump on your bike at the skate park? These are leading questions. Objection. Yeah, well, if you're trying to get into the one, the one story where I was in the, into the garage and I hit my head, that's another story. Actually, I forgot about that story, but yeah, tell us. <laughs> I, I, tell I, I remember the elbow one because you have the big scar on your elbow and yeah. I remember your mom was just losing her marbles. Yeah, so uh, that was at the skate park going over a jump. Just, I don't know, it must have been going too hard and went over the handlebars, landed on my elbow, broke my elbow, had to get surgery. <laughs> and then the, uh, the other one, which is a little more embarrassing, was this was on a scooter. So I used a scooter when I was younger and built a jump going into my garage. 
And like, I took a big run from the street into the driveway, up into the garage, hit my head on the top of the garage, like didn't think this through at all. Went flying back, hammered my, like just went off so hard. And I had it all on camera. Oh. Instantly deleted. Yeah, you, <laughs> you didn't knock yourself out? No. Oh, I can't believe but you did that. But there was like a indent on my helmet. Oh, well, hey, safety first, kids. Wear your helmet. So you're saying you didn't lack for any imagination in terms of putting together these jumps and everything else? No, no. I was full-on skateboard kid when I was probably 8 to 14. Huh. Bikes, not much skateboard, but biking and scootering. I was heavy into. So if we wheeled a scooter in right now, could you still do like a whip? I could still tail whip, yeah. Oh, huh. nice. Now, what do you, like, obviously you don't scooter anymore, but do you... You know, outside activities like are you uh you know, do you have a dirt bike or a quad or ATV, anything like that? No, no, I've kinda strayed away from my extreme sports now, just golf. At least until hockey's over. Yeah, and then maybe I'll get back into it. I like to get into biking again, that'd be fun. How's your golf game? You've been golfing lots this summer. Yeah, this is probably the most I've ever golfed. It's I think it's improved, but I, there's still some games where I'm struggling. It's not it's not great. It could be better. So let's go back to, you know, you win a Memorial Cup with the PA Raiders your last year in junior, and then, then you go to, to camp. Now you're, you're, 20, you're 20 years old, 21 years old in your first camp. Can you tell me about, like, Joe Thornton? Joe Thornton, when you, when you and, and Ferraro were rookies, you told me stories how, like, here's Joe Thornton, who, by the way, he was drafted first overall in 97. You weren't even born. So he had finished a full season of the NHL. Then you were born in the summer of 1998. Yeah, like Joe was like, I don't know, like he's a teammate, but like a big brother. Can you talk about that relationship? And was it a little nerve wracking when all of a sudden like Joe Thornton's like, hey, come over for dinner? Yeah, I mean, Joe is unreal. One of the best teammates I've ever had. And he was he was great to the young guys. I know him and uh, Ferraro are super close still to this day. And me and Ferraro are really good buddies. So. A few times a year, Jumbo invited me back to his place, and we'd just hang out, watch movies, or he'd take us out for dinner. Uh, that happened a couple times, and I'll still hop on FaceTime with him every now and then. So he was uh, he was great for me. And also in the dressing room, just you know, making you feel comfortable, talking to you every day. So he was great for me. Hmm. Big FaceTime. Like, it's like it's funny. Like what? Like what's your reaction? Like what would like an eight year old Noah Gregor have said when you have Joe Thornton FaceTiming you? I don't know. Yeah, it, it, it's a little funny to think of, but once you become his teammate, it's, it just becomes normal. So, I mean, an eight-year-old Noah Gregor would definitely be pumped to be faced on with Joe Thornton. <laughs> did, you, did you have a welcome to the NHL moment, like a sort of can't believe I, you know, I got to pinch myself, I'm here? I mean, probably just my first game. I don't know Where if I really it? had a welcome to the NHL moment, just skating out, you know, of the shark head for the first time. That is an incredible feeling. Uh, the Metallica going before you get on the ice was super cool. I don't know if I had like a specific welcome to the NHL, but just that first game I'll always remember. So you've got like 50 games under your belt. Do the nerves go away? Like have they, do you have, are you fully comfortable when you're, you're playing at that level? Yeah, I think so. I think for the first year or the half the year that I was up, there was probably nerves for the majority of that season. Just knowing that, you know, each game you can be in and out of the lineup, just trying to be as best as you can. And then still just going up every game was a new star player that I had to play against, whether it's Crosby or McDavid or 
just whoever there's stars these games that I grew up watching and you know you're kind of in awe but I think that sort of went away the second year pro and now I'm a lot more comfortable than I was was there one player that you were most excited to face yeah Alex Ovechkin <laughs> by far he was my favorite player growing up so that was uh, a really cool thing to uh, be able to play in that game against did, him did, did you say hi to him on the ice no 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 i did not so you just keep to yourself like like trying you know hey i've been here before treated like any other game well i don't know about that but i was just watching i remember in warm-up just watching him this whole entire warm-up just trying to just just watch him kind of just in awe because he was my favorite player growing up i uh, just loved the way he played so that was uh, definitely a cool experience for me what's it what's it like having an uncle in the media do, do the guys know do they have any idea and do they do they break your balls at all about uh, Uncle Jason up in Edmonton? Uh, not a ton. I don't know if everyone knows. I think a few guys do. I mean, San Jose media is a lot different, I think, than uh, than the Canadian markets, especially here in Edmonton. But uh, no, there's definitely some guys that know him and uh, have talked to him before, but they don't really, uh, you know, they're not breaking my balls too much, telling me that I'm giving them too much info or anything like that. How much yeah. to break? In We're class good. act here all the time. Well, yeah. like, and there's not even like you can say there's like a big look-alike thing. Like you have way more hair, so no. yeah. for now, for, we'll uh, yeah. <laughs> you're not follically challenged, so that's good. Well, mm, it might be coming. It's funny because <laughs> his, his brother, who's uh, was similar to my older brother, sorry, his dad had uh, he loved his hair. Like, when I had hair, I didn't like it. I shaved my head, and so going bald was easy for me. It was great. I was like, good, I don't have to cut it anymore. But my brother loved his hair. Seems like, like more work than ever. All you're doing is constantly yeah. shaving it. Well, like, not much now. Like, I, can get, I can go, like, five, six days without having to do it. It's pretty easy. But my brother loved his hair. Like, and he had long hair. Like, no one just got a haircut today. It's too bad because I had a big head of hair going on. And my brother, all of a sudden, like, 25, just kind of went away. <laughs> and just he kind of went away. Yeah, like, uh, he, and he was rattled for like you weren't even allowed to make jokes about it. But of course, as a brother, you did. And uh, Noah's older brother Liam, he has like a two head. He's got the thickest head of hair ever. And so similar, like Noah starts maybe starting to do you know, like the peaks are coming in a little bit, possibly. We shall see. I'm gonna <laughs> hold on to it as long as I can. But yeah, not the best genes for hair. I don't think. No, no. Now, speaking of your dad, when you, because your dad played in the dub and he played minor pro for a few years, was at Oilers and, and Flames camp. And as a, as a kid, because have you seen some of his fight tapes? And obviously, he's, you know, scored some goals, won national championships with Acadia. But was it weird as a kid? Because, you know, you see your dad, he coached you a lot. And I don't think he ever really talked about that side of his game. I think it was when you guys were teenagers, maybe. Was it funny watching your dad fight? It's a side of him that you don't see too much because he is a pretty, for the most part, he's a calm guy. Every now and then he'll have a couple snap shows, but he's, uh, yeah, it was really, I remember those tapes you had in uh, at Grandma's Basement that we would throw on, I think they're just like VHS. VHS old school. Yeah, man. when he was playing in the like dub and he had a couple good scraps and I know every now and then I'll talk to someone that played with him and they just said, yeah, he's sneaky, sneaky, tough player when he played in the dub, so... Have yeah. these made it to hockeyfights.com? I don't think you gotta so. Got to get them digitized and get them on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, there's a there's a few I remember cuz you know as a younger brother back then, like you nowadays kids are watching wait, what do you mean? I just hit Google and you can see anything. Like I had to wait. The, none of the games were on TV back then. So I, you know, I would read the the stats page and stuff and and they would send home tapes of goals and highlights of games and you know as a younger brother, of course, you know, you're a pretty big fan, so I'd see his goals and stuff and then they did this 
player profile for him and he's playing in Leftbridge and, and they showed and he sends this home he's like and my, my brother's a pretty humble guy but he's like yeah this fight was pretty good so he's fighting this kid from Medicine Hat and like the first 30 seconds nothing's happening I'm like well this is a joke this is the worst fight I've ever seen and then all of a sudden he hammers him two uppercuts and just KOs the kid and you see him skating to the penalty box and he's sitting in there and I'm like now we're on the phone and we're talking I'm like what, what were you thinking of the bench and he's like god I thought I killed the kid like I kind of yeah, felt bad dead. at that point but because he would snap and then instantly he was calm and and he would because because my brother is was growing up like we never fought right never How much older is he just two years okay and so and then obviously when he was 16 he was like 16 going on 20 physically and i was 14 going on 10 so it wouldn't <laughs> it wouldn't have been a good matchup anyway but i had never really seen that side of him either and so it's funny to see someone and even now when they talk to guys you know like jason strato who i work with is really super nice guy off the all ice. of the heavyweights i've ever known were always the nicest calmest and they can just polite. Snap. not only that but like they're also the most personable for whatever reason. Like every stop, the, every team that I ever covered really closely, it was always. And I was actually thinking about a couple guys on the way up here, like um, you know the Jody Shelleys that came through, the Jay Rosehills, like all these guys that you know they'd be the first to come up to you, shake your hand, say hi, what's going on, and they were always the nicest guys. And they'd always, it was almost like not a switch that needed to be flipped, but. It was like a role that you needed to play. It was like putting on a mask almost. Like you're getting geared up for that moment, that fight, when you know you're, you know, that's how you're earning your paycheck. And your coaches right now, you've got Bob Bugner and you got Rocky Thompson. <laughs> two, two, two really tough, tough, guys, tough guys, right? Bob played in league a long time. Rocky played for, and Rocky's one of the smartest guys I've ever met. Like you talk hockey with him, it's amazing. Do you guys as players, like, do you go on and watch your coaches' fights? I've seen a lot of Rockies because he his fights are insane. I haven't watched too many of Buggies, but I know these were, they were both tough, tough players when they played. So, I mean, intimidating guys, but uh, great both uh, both great coaches. You mentioned um, just how Jumbo sort of brought you in and, and helped you, you know, sort of feel comfortable and and sort of introduce you as as one of the vets. What's it like as a young kid? playing on a team that has so many vets like there are so many stars and big names um in san jose what's it like to try and sort of assimilate yourself into that group and then especially once jumbo leaves how different does the place feel yeah i mean there's definitely a lot of uh you know veteran guys probably three hall of famers that i've been able to play with on that team so it's it's really cool just to be able to see how they go about their business and how they go about their career uh, and then obviously when Jumbo left, that was a, a huge you know, hole to, that, to the team. I think definitely in the dressing room because he's one of the you know, more vocal guys in the room, one of the leaders for sure in the room. And uh, I think when he left, that definitely left a little bit of a hole in, in that sense. Uh, but I know there's a lot of great leaders on our team with Cooch and, and Tommy and uh, you know, Carl. So those guys do a great job uh, when he left. So, uh, and then I think with some younger guys now coming in, I know Ferraro's a, a huge leader in that room, one of the most vocal guys on the team, even for uh, a second-year guy. And then we have uh, you know, Kanishov, who came in as a first-year guy, uh, who really played a lot for our team and did a good job. So we got some young guys coming up now to kind of mix in with those older guys. Brent Burns is, you know, a heck of a player, and he's a very unique guy, right? Uh, of course, we had him on uh, when he was it was in Vikings. I don't know if you guys watched the episode or not, and because he fits in, he didn't have to dress up anything. It was probably like the easiest uh, at all to get into wardrobe, but just how he is. Have you ever experienced? Because he likes to eat a lot of different foods. Have you uh, have you went on like a 
trying different food extravaganza with Brent Burns? No, I have not. Uh, I'd like to. I know when we were in uh, Arizona for camp because we didn't get to go back into San Jose, he brought his grill and he was grilling in the parking lot of the hotel at all his meetings. So, yeah. But uh, no. burgers? What was he grilling out there? I have no idea. Just I think he had a bunch out? of meats going and he was smoking it up in the uh, in the parking lot. <laughs> like, how, like, what do you do with the grill when it's done? Like, like, are you bringing that thing on the charter home? Like, what do you like? It's unreal. I have no. Well, he drove down to Arizona from San Jose, so he just packed her up in his truck and drove back to San Jose when we were uh, able to go back home. How difficult was that year? I mean, look, we've talked about a lot of different teams and the challenges that they went through last year. Um, Dallas and all the things they went through with, you know, the natural disaster there and then their COVID issues. You guys, like, it was probably less publicized than a lot of other teams, but just with the issues with Santa Clara County and then getting back, you guys were gone for what the first 30 days 40 days? i guess something like yeah that. at least well we had training camp in arizona so we were staying in scottsdale and then uh the first i think i want to say like 10 games were on the road so then we would kind of just go back to arizona in between games and then we'd go on the road again so we were we didn't get back to san jose for probably a month and a half so I think that was really tough for, uh, especially on the older guys with kids and, and wives. Their kids are in school and... Yeah, exactly. It was a little easier for a, a guy like me, just a single guy living off the hotel. It wasn't too tough for me. You know, you still get per diem and uh, all the meals taken care of. So it was right. actually pretty, it was pretty all right. <laughs> You're like, whether it's San Jose or Arizona, it's still probably a hotel for a bit. So like... Yeah. So for me, it wasn't too difficult, but I know for a lot of the older guys, it was, it was really hard on them and you could see them. It was kind of war on those guys. And we actually came to that trip I think right around 500 so we did a pretty good job of uh, you know kind of getting through that and getting back to home base but uh, yeah it was definitely a tough tough thing to go through for our team and there was you know so many things that are unexpected from the young age hockey players especially once you get to kind of ban them and midget and then into junior you're kind of used to a routine and for a lot of players this was completely different and your routine had to change how, how much was that a mental challenge or, or was that a big issue for you at all? A little bit. I think, you know, you could still kind of have the same routine. It was just a little, just a small things were different, you know, not being able to get dressed in the same dressing room as your team. I think we had sort of three rooms where players would get dressed and in, uh, in our home ranks. So you'd have the main room and then you'd have the gym, which was another room. And then kind of like our meal area where there was more guys that would get dressed. Because you had basically like seven guys in each room. Correct? Yeah. So kind of all the veterans would get the, the main room and then the younger guys or whatever, the less experienced guys would get the other rooms. So it was a little different in that sense. You couldn't really hang out as much before games and, ha and talk and, you know, listen to music. So that was a little different. And then obviously during, uh, you know, intermissions, you're not talking quite as much. You know, everyone would kind of conjoin for when the coaches would come in. In between uh, in between periods, so. But other than that, it was pretty normal once you got to the rink. Besides, kind of being in different, air, different spaces. But other than that, it was pretty much normal. So now, during a game, though, are you telling me that an intermission, let's say Bugner comes in, speaks for three or four minutes, the whole team, and then after that, you guys had to go back to your three separate rooms. For the most part, yeah. I mean, you could definitely go and talk to players. But, I mean, your stuff, all your stuff that you need to get ready for the period's in your stall. So you kind of got to go back to your stall. You got to tape your stick, you know, make sure your skates are all right. Whatever you have to do, each guy's different. But, 
Yeah, that was definitely a, a challenge, I think, that uh, everyone was in different spaces. Tough for team continuity, I would think. I think a little bit. Uh, you know, you kind of just had to make it work. I think most teams were dealing with that anyway. So you just had to roll with it and you know, make the best of it. So what I was going to ask, were you, were you guys unique in that? Like, I didn't hear much about that last year. Were other teams able to have their whole team in the same room? I'm not sure. Most I don't teams, know. Yeah, most teams were Santa Clara. You guys I think because Santa Clara County, County our meet, county, was right. very strict. That's why we weren't able to be there for training camp. Uh, who I always wondered this. Um, what is your intermission routine? Since you mentioned it, like, what do you, what do you go? Like, some guys gear all the way down for the most part. Like, they're taking shoulder pads, skates off. Like, what? It's it's such a quick turnaround. How do you handle your intermission? Pretty simple. Just helmets off, gloves off. That's it. And then I'll tape my stick. Not much. Not much special for me. So you're you retape your stick every intermission. Both intermissions, yeah. Wow. So that's three. Do you tape before the game too? I don't tape after warm up, which is a little different. I don't think many guys do but that. Before but before warm up, though, so it's three tape jobs per game. Yeah, fresh tape for warm up, and then I usually don't tape it after warm up unless it gets really chewed up, and then I'll go first intermission, second intermission. Yeah. Now, who's got the most interesting intermission routine? Like, who's gearing all the way down? Well, Patty Marlowe definitely has the most unique in between the I heard he's second the and third. Ever. It's insane. So in between the second and third. If he feels like he needs a little more gas in the legs, he'll get completely undressed, hop in the cold tub for two or three minutes, <laughs> come back out, get redressed, and then he's ready to go for the intermission. But or he for apparently the third can period. get geared up in like like literally two minutes. Yeah, it's crazy. He's tied and everything. It's crazy. Like he'll yeah, undressed, hot or cold tub, un back dressed, like ten minutes. Well, the guys barely missed any games, man. Maybe he might have to start. I know. The cold tub between periods. So he doesn't do the cold tub every game. It's only if he feels like he's got to rejuvenate. Yeah, I think so. I don't think he does it every game, but he definitely does it a lot. Wow. Works. Well, now what? Obviously, yeah, it's worked. The guy's had a pretty good career. Most games played in NHL history. What about pregame? Are there certain guys that are really superstitious? And did you see other guys just try to screw with them a little bit just to have fun with it? Because every team has one or two guys. It's just like, it's got to be left glove or left stick. I mean, left sock on. Who are the guys and did uh, who are the guys that maybe teammates like to have the fun with the most in pregame? Well, Ryan Donato is the most superstitious player before a game that I've seen. He's got he's there really, really early for the game. And he starts his warm-up. I think his warm-up's like an hour long. Like, he gets a good sweat going. He's doing a bunch of stuff with our trainers. And then he'll come in, and everything is just, it's all set, and it's super long. So he was one of the guys, and kind of, he's because he's with the younger guys a little more and getting dressed, so the younger guys would give it to him a little bit. <laughs> but, yeah, Ryan Donato for sure had the most unique pre-game uh, routine that I've seen like, so far. What would he do after? So the warm-up's one thing. I know a lot of guys like to get a sweat on. But what would he do afterwards that took so long? I don't know. I think he just really liked to prepare for the game. Like, he loved to get a good stretch. He liked to get a good sweat. Like, I think he would lift a little bit of weights before the game, too. Like, he just is unique in that way. Yeah. <laughs> what about you? What do you do? Little different. I kind of... <laughs> you do nothing, do you? No, no. I do... Uh, I like to play sewer ball, so I'll play soccer, a little two-touch, uh, get my sticks ready, then I'll do a quick dynamic warm-up and then uh, get dressed. Are you a visualization guy? Because, like, that's one thing, like, especially the guys that are there really early. Like, some guys I see, they like to go sit on the bench or they'll sit mm -hmm. in the stands and just... 
Like, does that help you at all? I, I would find personally, like thinking about it less would probably be helpful um, because you're, you've already sort of done that whole process. Like even the night before, like you're, you're thinking and, you know, visualizing sort of the whole way up to it. Yeah, no, I don't really kind of set aside a time where I'm doing that, where I'm thinking about the game too much. Uh, I kind of just like to keep it simple, keep it chill, hang out with uh, teammates, have some laughs, listen to music, and then uh, maybe a little bit when I'm starting to get dressed and things are you know ramping up a little bit for the game, I'll you know think about things that I need to accomplish in the game. But I'm not a huge visualization guy. I haven't really dug into that too much in my game. How are Jones and Dubnik? If guys uh, fired headshots accidentally at him in practice or warm up, who is more of the snapshot of the two? Uh, Devin Dubnik, for sure. <laughs> Jones is a very, uh, very chill, low key guy. Uh, Dubnik could, uh, was a little, little more uh, round tight, I'd say. But he he is a great guy too. But I mean, even when he had that little mix up with Bennington you could see that he's uh, oh he was ready to roll he was ready to go pound him like Dubnik's way bigger at him because that was when Bennington for those who don't know Bennington are there playing San Jose and St. Louis and Bennington kind of did like the fake to to Jones and that's when Dubnik snapped yeah yeah so yeah that was a bit of a crazy crazy thing there but yeah Dubnik was ready to go and I would have taken Dubnik there oh yeah (laughs) he's a big (laughs) dude he's a big body yeah Yeah. he is so we asked you about your dad's fights, and our producer Tyler was was checking out hockeyfights.com, looking up your record: three in the WHL and one in the AHL, but none in the NHL. What's it going to take for you to get there? And do you think you will eventually? I think eventually it'll happen. Uh, yeah, I'm usually good for one a year, so no, it hasn't happened yet. There haven't even really been too many. I mean, fighting's just way down in general. It's so down, like, yeah. Uh, I don't probably just a teammate getting hit or just me having to uh, really lose it. So we'll see. I'm sure at one point it'll happen, but uh, I'm definitely not out there looking for one. I'm sure someone's asked, right? No, not real. Not really? me, at least. No. That's good. Ty's got a question. Hey, over have here. you gone back and watched some of your tilts on hockey fights? No, because no. they're not great. <laughs> <laughs> they're not good. Uh, I think there's one in the in maybe two in junior that I would say were decent fights. The other two were quick, and I lost. And then the one in the American League wasn't very good either. So I'm not watching those too often. <laughs> That's fair. Now you head into to this year. You, can you talk about the mindset when you had your first? Like, because you've been to camp when you know you're going back to junior. And while young guys still, hey, I want to make the team. You're probably realistic about where you're going. How is your mindset going into this year's camp when, you know, you've played now 50 games uh, or 50, almost 60 games and, you know, it's competition. Like now it's a job. So does, do you feel your mindset and your approach is, is more serious or different than it has been in the previous two years? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think the past two years, for sure, I definitely wanted to just make a really good impression and let the coaches know that I can play in the NHL. I don't know if it was really... I mean, last year for sure I wanted to be an impact player and make the team, but the year before I was, I didn't really think that I was going to make the team out of camp. I didn't, but maybe that was the wrong mindset to have. But this year I'm definitely looking to uh, be a part of the team all year, uh, be playing every single game be, uh, and be a big part of the team. So what, what did you do? What did you work on this summer that's going to make you a better NHL player? 
I mean, I think a lot of the same things that I've I've been doing. Uh, you know, I've got a great trainer uh, here in the summer that I work really hard with, and then I've been skating uh, a lot more, I would say, than I have in the past. Uh, I think that's helping me a, a little bit. So just trying to improve my game on the ice with, uh, you know, just your everyday skills that you need for uh, the NHL. We mentioned you didn't play a lot of spring hockey growing up. Just I feel like it's been a trend in general with NHL players. We had Andrew Cogliano on a few weeks ago, and he was just saying he's skating way more than he ever did. He used to be one of those guys that you know, sort of started skating again in August. Do you think that's been more of a trend in terms of, you know, it seems like more NHL players are skating earlier in the summer than they ever have been? Yeah, I think it's definitely a trend. I think just the way the game is going, it's a lot more speed. It's a lot more skill. I mean, there's still... Uh, definitely room for you know the big powerful players i think you know the nhl champions the past few years have all been bigger teams that can also skate and have uh you know a lot of skill so i think uh, getting on the ice a little more and you know focusing on that area of your game instead of kind of just trying to bulk up and uh, put on weight uh, might be a little more uh to your benefit do you, uh, watch, now. do you watch much video i wouldn't say a ton but yeah i definitely do in the summer, like you spend time going back. No, not quite. No, not as much in the summer, but definitely during the season. The you know, skill development, like guys now spend, they're on the ice more, not just skating. I think they're more doing like skill development stuff. You know, you, you've always been blessed. You're very fast and, and, and you've got, you've got a really good shot. So what are you, what are like deflections and around like the garbage goal type of thing? Like, I know I joked about it. Your first few goals is like, feel free to mix in a garbage goal, but do you, can you, how do you work on those elements? Because when you watch playoff hockey, so many of the goals are literally within eight feet of the net. So what are some drills that you do as a forward that can allow you to enhance your chances to score those type of goals? Yeah, there definitely are. I mean, just tight, in tight drills. I think uh, even doing small area games definitely helps in that, uh, in that aspect, whether, you know, when there's uh, no crowded uh, area in front of the net, you know, you got to be able to have the skill to make a move and then get the puck away quick. So I think small area games definitely help with that. Uh, you know, deflection plays. Uh, and then the rest, I think, is just a little bit of a mindset. You have to be able to be willing to go to those areas. And uh, sometimes that's not something you can really practice. You just have to start doing it in the games and have that mindset that you're going to do it. And then, uh, you know, those things will happen. We always like to uh, end our episodes with, uh, with rapid fire. Uh, the only rule is you have to answer every question. So, uh, regard now, uh, your really good buddy, your former roommate, uh, Brett Howden, is now in Vegas. If uh, Howden and Gregor got in a fight, who wins? Noah Gregor. <laughs> Did you guys ever get close? Like, were was there spirited wrestling matches in the? And would you guys? Because you lived together in Moose Jaw, I think, for three years. Yeah, three years. Uh, a couple, not uh, not too many though. No. Uh, I don't know. It'd be a good fight because he's got the size on me, but I think I might be a little stronger. <laughs> what is one food you wouldn't eat? Oh, uh, fruit on salads. Fruit on salad? Like you can't mix in an apple? or No, no apples, like strawberries, berries. Huh. Don't like that on my salads. Really? Okay. Wow, that's unexpected. I like that. Unique. Um, right now, who's your celebrity crush? Man, uh, no, I don't know if she's quite a celebrity. She's a big like YouTube streamer girl, Kernikoff. 
Yes, you have no idea who that yeah. is. No idea. Tyler, Tyler is laughing. Do you know her? Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. All right, well, I'll have, to, I'll have yeah. to look that one up. Okay. What does she stream on YouTube? She's like a gamer, Instagram model, YouTuber girl. Okay. Just so you know, we're going to be tweeting her this link. So. Oh, yeah, that'll be fantastic. What, we'll see uh, what we can do. I don't think she'll give me the time. <laughs> what, uh, how is your gaming skills? What do you game? What do you play? What are you good at? I actually haven't played all summer, but uh, during the season, usually just Fortnite, Call of Duty. Who are the best gamers on the Sharks? Uh, Matt Nieto. He's a solid, solid player. Who's the worst? I'd probably be up there just because I don't play very much. So maybe me. <laughs> well, I know I still have the Galaga record at the Gregor household when he was a kid. I crushed him. They must have had that high score for years till they had to unplug the machine. That's the only game I was good at, though. I have so. no idea what you're talking about. Galaga? You've never played Galaga? I don't think so. Holy cow, dude. Like, come on. That's one of the all-time greatest arcade games ever. Stand-up arcade games. Now, in the, in the, uh, when you played in the, in the Western League, favorite... Opposing rink to play in. I really like Seattle. Um, Why Seattle? Just their fans. Uh, they would have like a chant when you when the opposing team came out. I can't remember how, but it'd basically be like Warriors. Moose Jaw sucks. Moose Jaw sucks. So that was cool. Uh, and then most of the American teams are great. Like Portland had a great rink. Spokane was cool. Yeah, in Seattle, probably those three. Rink you, you hated playing in? Well, before I played there, Prince Albert. <laughs> then when I was a part of them, it was great. It was unreal. So why, now, why, why, now obviously one you're the home team, but what did you hate about it when you were a visitor? Well, just that it was usually so cold. It was a long hike from Moose Jaw, like a five-hour and we had day trip. It, so it's tough trip. And then the dressing rooms are old. The rink is small and it was always a tough team to play too prince albert was always a tough team to play so that probably made it a little tougher as well if you could have let's say you scored a stanley cup winning goal do you have a celebration planned have you ever thought about a cool celly and if not who has the best cellies in the league i have not thought about my celebrations i'm not much of uh a Selly kind of guy. If you watch my goals, there's not much going on after. Uh, and then the best in the game is probably Patrick Kane. Yeah, didn't your friends chirp you when you scored your first NHL goal because you, which was a snipe goal over Jonathan Quick's shoulder on Black Friday uh, of Thanksgiving weekend, and you barely celebrated, and your buddies were all over you. A little bit, yeah. I just kind of put my hands up in the air. Well, I didn't really know it went in because it hit the post, and then I was kind of. I couldn't see through the defenseman, so I didn't know for sure, so I just kind of threw my hands up. And then, yeah, a few of them from around here were like... But I get that. Like, I, it's a little I, big Sally. I had a hole-in-one a few weeks ago, and I was like, why didn't you go nuts? I was like, first off, like, I don't want to be that guy. And second, like, I wasn't even totally sure it well, was in, so... <laughs> How long a hole was it, by the way? 180. Oof. Yeah, it was like, it was a good, like, it was a good one, but it was like... And I guess any hole-in-one's a good one, but, yeah. like, still... Like, did you shank it and it got lucky, or was no, it like... No, like, my... off the club, the guys in my group who were playing a match, they were like, that's butter, like, oh. right away. And it was it was sick, but I, like, I was like, oh, like, I'm not going to be that guy that's running around the golf course yelling. Like, what, what are you going to do? Like, <laughs> Yeah, it's well, whole one's a little different. There's no crowd. You've got 17,000 No, fans, but I'm so. saying, like, I get the, like, the whole, you know, I sort of act like you've been here before. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it just hasn't 
they haven't came to me yet. Maybe I'm just not good at it. Whatever gets like you seem pretty mellow, but what fires up Noah Gregor? Just in life? Yeah. Or I, I don't know. Not much, honestly. Apparently, YouTube and Twitch stars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, Noah, thanks so much, man. It's uh, it's great having you here. As uh, Frank said, uh, first live uh, studio guest that we've had for a long time due to COVID and everything. So we appreciate it. Uh, best of luck in San Jose. Yeah, thank you very much. This is great. Yeah, we'll be watching. Awesome. Well, thanks, everyone, for watching. And uh, we'll talk to you on Friday. Thanks for listening to the DFO Rundown with Cervalli and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcast from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.